welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. are starting a very short two-part series today um, called uh, Love is Greater Than Lust. And uh, it happens that it is Valentine's coming up, and uh, so this is your friendly pastoral reminder. It's Valentine's Day, and uh, this series has a little bit to do with that, but not a lot, okay? But it is a little heads up. And uh, I just want to let you know that... um, in this series, it was really birthed uh, way before the headlines hit, you know, with all the scandals going on. It was hit while I was on a global team, and uh, I was listening to people's testimonies about the things that happened to them that, that were so wrong, out of bounds in the area of sexuality, that I, I just said, somebody's got to teach on this. The Bible is so clear on what we should talk about and how we should address this, how we should behave ourselves. And so it was birthed there. And then, of course, with all the things that have been happening in society, and Me Too and all the things that are going on. I was like, we have to talk about this. So we put it in here. Um, it just so happens that our soap reading, our scripture observation application prayer lines up exactly on Saturday and Sunday. It lines up with exactly the message. And uh, we didn't plan that, but I always love it when it happens like that. And I just want to give a disclaimer here. So this is a PG-13 disclaimer. Okay, so parents, this is a PG-13 disclaimer. Um, You can check your kids if they are, you know, uh, sixth grade and under. You can check them in to the kids' church. It's very appropriate. If you say, hey, you know what, I don't want to talk about this right now with my kids, and you want to step out and say, hey, worship was great, Uh, we won't check them in. I'm totally fine with that. I will tell you this, you cannot read through the Bible. How many know if you read through the Bible, you'll get into Genesis and you will have conversations with your children? You know, first book of the Bible and you're kind of like, and Noah was drunk and laying around without any clothes on. And your kids are like, why would he do that? All right, let's move on. All right. And then you get to Genesis 19 and you're like, lots daughters in him. And you're like, okay, all right, moving on. Let's just go to Revelation. I just want to talk about the apocalypse. You know, it might be easier. All right. So, I will tell you this, um, the Bible is very clear, it gives a lot of direction on this, it's not silent, there are stories in the Word of God that help us to live pure in this area, it's where we live, it's very relevant to today, and so as your pastor, I want to hit this, I, I, I don't believe we're even going to come close in the two weeks that we're going to do this, I'm going to most likely record a bonus sermon or a bonus teaching that will be online, um, but this is something that... We, we just need help with. We need help in today's day and age. And this is about as relevant as it gets with what we're facing in society today. So um, on October 5th uh, of this last year, Harvey Weinstein, the allegations were published. They were in the front page of the newspaper. Um, it brought it to the forefront. It's as if the, the lid was just lifted off 
of all the things that were happening in the area of sexuality. Um, there was plenty of things before that. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of things before that. I mean, people in political power, past and current president accusations and wrongdoings. Um, there were celebrities. There were authority figures that were uh, involved in all sorts of things. 2015 saw the Ashley Madison uh, website with the uh, loss of confidentiality, and then that opened up. We had Josh Duggar. I mean, we had so many things. So it's not unique of what's going on right now, but it feels like it's been highlighted. It feels like it's been highlighted, and this has been brought to the forefront, again, with Me Too and people wearing all black attire in protest and saying, come on, enough is enough. And I believe that uh, we can take a look at this right now and say, all right, if the world is saying Me Too, enough is enough, stop this, and it's, and it's being brought out and bubbling up, it's something that we could say, all right, what does God have to say to this? Because again, it's been brought to the forefront. I mean, we had Russell Simmons accused of rape. We had uh, Garrison Keillor of impropriety. I mean, we have Matt Lauer with a, a lock button on his, in his office that would shut the door and lock it from his desk. We had Larry Nasser with all these gymnasts and all these things coming up. I mean, the list goes on and on. And this is all since October 5th. I mean, Charlie Rose, Kevin Spacey, Ben Affleck, John Conyers, Al Franken, Ray Moore, Louis C.K. I mean, it's it just amazing. In the midst of all this, Hugh Hefner dies and... and the people are like, oh, Hugh, what a great guy. Seriously? What a disconnect. What a disconnect of what's going on. It's, it's just so sad. And so I, I, I looked at this and said, love is greater than lust. Matter of fact, I, I titled the series originally uh, um, Love Versus Lust. And the staff convinced me. They said, Changes it. change it. It's not even a versus. It's love is greater than. It's not even a versus. I was like, all right, all right. And love is greater than lust. And it is so much. And we're, so, we're doing so bad with this as a society. And God's word has so much hope, so much insight, so much instruction and so many commands that you cannot read it and not see that God wants us to get this area under control. He has something for us to do. And uh, we've got to get back to God's word and doing what he says. Society's like, me too, wear black, do this. But uh, when are we going to say, hey, let's get back to what God's word has to say? When are we going to get back to living the life that we're supposed to live? And when you live the life that you're supposed to live, I will let you know this, you will be mocked. In the midst of all this, saying this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, you'll start to live holy for God and the world will mock you. And it doesn't matter if you're the most vanilla person or the coolest person in the church. And I thought about who's the most vanilla. I mean, I guess he would qualify as one of the leading, you know, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. Is a, a, he's kind of like, you know, vanilla, straight arrow kind of guy. And, you know, he's saying, I don't go out to eat with another lady that's not my wife. I don't close the door to my office. I, and, they, and the world mocked him. And they mocked him. And he's like, hey, I'm just trying to live by the Billy Graham rule and not even have the appearance of it. And they're mocking him for trying to live God's way. And then you've got the... What, I would guess he's probably one of the coolest guys in Christianity, Carl Lentz, you know, and there's a, there's a guy that just oozes cool in New York, and uh, he's on the breakfast club saying, hey guys, the road we're going down, this Hugh Hefner saying he's a celebrity, that's wrong. That's going to lead to all sorts of other things, and they're like, no, no. So if you're going to live for God, you're going to be mocked, but I say let's get back to what God's word has to say. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read a couple. I'll read, I'm going to have a ton of scriptures and hopefully have time to get to a story. Ephesians chapter 4, 
17 through uh, 24, it says this. And so I insist, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. Again, they've just discovered about Jesus. They're trying to walk out their faith. And he says this. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. Written 2,000 years ago, okay? He said, but that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, being well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. I mean, that's a whole sermon right there. I mean, working from the inside to the outside. God working his character all the way through. I mean, if you're trying to make it from the outside, like, okay, all these behaviors will get in line and there's nothing going on the inside, I pity you. You need the work of God to be working from the inside to the outside. Ephesians chapter 5. I I could read scriptures on this all day. I could just read scriptures on all this, but I'm just going to give a few highlights. Again, Ephesians 5, 3, and 4. Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. I love those things. I mean, just feeling no pain. They let themselves go into the obsession. Don't let it go into a downhill slide. And I feel like this, we are in a slide. We are in a slide. I know you say, how bad is the slide? Shocking, shocking things about how we are chasing after lust as a society and going after sexual sins in such a strong way. In 2015, people watched in the world 4,392,000,000 hours of porn in one year on just one site. That equals 501,000 years of pornography viewed on one site in one year. 501,000 years. We are, we are sliding headlong into a crash. We, are, we are, are, are just heading straight into this, and the brakes are off, and God's saying, come on, right now, if the world's waking up to this, will you live as an example? Will you wake up? Will you realize that you don't live that way anymore? And, and the early church was able to stand out from the crowd because they lived with strong morals, because God was able to change them. And they said, we don't live that way anymore. And I, I'm thinking that God could use the church today to say, hey, we don't live that way anymore. We live a different way. We live a better way. We live a, a greater way. We don't live by the Billy Graham rule. I mean, that's a great one. But we live by the rule of God, and it's changing our lives. It's the way we should live. I mean, the world has fought to take away morals and restraints, and it's shocked when men and women lose their morals. I mean, we've made divorce easy. We've made porn permissible. We made adultery acceptable. We have power as the prize. We use sex to sell everything. We approve of just about every deviancy. And we wonder why mankind is abusing others with their loose morals and lifestyle, and each step goes to a greater step of destruction. And it's time for us to say, stop. 
God, help us put on the brakes. Let's stop the slide. Let's rescue what's going on because God has boundaries in place. God has things that are clear in the word of God for us to do. He says we're supposed to go after love. We're supposed to chase after love, the the pure love that God has for us, the love that we should have one another. And when it talks about lust, it says flee lust. In 2 Timothy 2.22, it says flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call of the Lord out of a pure heart. He's saying flee youthful lust. Now to be clear, um, lust used to be described as a word like that had a wide range of things, but right now it really um, is a word that is used for like sexually immoral desires. And uh, we are, uh, as a society, it's like we're in love with lust. I know that sounds weird, but it's like we're in love with lust and we've lost our way and it's so cloudy and the church has an opportunity right now to say, hey, we're going to stand up. We're going to help people find their way in the midst of this. God has a better way of living than this. I want to be very clear as I talk about this. Within love, within godly love, within marriage, within marriage, God has said sexual attraction and fulfillment is a great thing. You don't have to amen me there, but you could just smile if you're married. All right, just smile. All right. Some of you are like, I'm still very uncomfortable in this sermon. All right, it's okay. They're loving this at the Minneapolis campus. All right, so anyway. All right. Let me give you another scripture here, and then we'll dig into a story that I want to point out what happens when a society gets trapped in lust and how lust causes you to live a lie. First Thessalonians 4, uh, verses 2 through 7. The Apostle Paul is again talking to another church. See, it's interesting. It's interesting when you look at when the church was first formed, when the Apostle Paul was going around and the disciples were going around and informing the church, one of the things they had to address over and over again was sexual purity. In Acts chapter 15, when the early church was trying to figure out, like, what do we do with all these uh, foreigners that are coming in with, with the things of God? And they're like, what do we want to tell them? Like, how can we break this down and keep it simple? And they break it down to a few small things. But one of the things they do is they talk about living sexually pure lives. That if you're going to follow God, if you're going to be a Christ follower, that's one of the, like, we're going to break that down and we're going to keep it pretty simple. But one of the things you got to obey is, is living sexually pure lives. And so Paul is talking to another one of the church, and he says, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you for God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. And he's saying, guys, there's all holiness. There's all holiness that is here. And if we're going to live right, we're going to look at the things that we're doing and we're going to say, God, I want to have holiness towards you in this area. And so when I'm looking at this, I'm not wondering how far I can go. I'm wondering how close you can cause me to live. I want to be holy towards you. And he's saying holy towards God and in honor towards other people. And I will tell you this, if people in this hookup culture, a hookup culture is not a culture of honor. 
A hookup culture takes people for what they do for them and gratifying their desires and their needs. Honor says, I value you. I'm willing to put a commitment with this for a lifelong commitment. And God's saying, have holiness and have honor in the way that you live. I mean, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us what love is all about. And you think about what the opposite. It's like love, lust, love, lust, love, lust. And you can think about this. Love gives and lust takes. Love is patient. Lust wants it now. It, it's so sad. Uh, some of this stuff comes as a shock to you, the, the amount of hours and things, but there's actually an app right now out where people can see a picture of someone, and if they think they're attractive, they swipe right, saying, hey, I'd like to hook up with you and meet up with you. If they don't, they swipe left. Think about that. From a picture, left out right yes from a picture there's no depth there's no there's nothing there's nothing waiting there's no uh, uh, building a relationship it's impatient it's right now that's the opposite of love that's lust love is kind lust is cruel love is not jealous lust is very jealous love is not boastful lust boasts uh, just this last week, again, uh, you will not believe. Every time I'd study and try to find a story, there was a new one and a new one and a new one. And whenever I'm prepping for a sermon, my eyes are opened up to this and I see this story and this. Cornell, an Ivy League school, just had a fraternity that was suspended because they had a whole game that they were doing to see how many people they could sleep with and all these different things. And it was a game that was going on because that is, that's lust. Lust would boast. And they'd all come in and be like, this is what we did. That's not what love does. It could go on and on and on. But lust dishonors its object and it disregards God. It leaves you empty and it causes you in the end to be miserable. And God's saying, I want you to learn how to love one another and not be ruled by lust because lust is a dead end, empty, empty way to live. Amen. Now there's one story that I want to give for example and it, it's a shocking story. Okay, it's in the Bible. It's a shocking story. It's one of those ones when you read it, you're like, ah, oh, like why is, but I think it's in there so that we can learn from it. Whenever God puts a story in the Bible for us, it's so we can learn from it and we can say, God, give us the, give us the message, give us the example, show us what's happening there. And I'll never forget this. My dad was the first one. He taught this to our, our Bible study. We had a bunch of teenage guys, and he taught this Bible study. I'm like, hey, my dad's coming to teach a Bible study today. Pretty excited, my dad. And this is the story he did. And as he started, I was like, why did I invite dad? Why did I, I, why, I, why did I invite dad? Why? And at the end of it, I was like, wow, I'm so glad I invited dad. But I, he was the first one that taught this to me, and I'm teaching this to you as the church and maybe you have heard it before. I was talking with Scott Hagen, the president of North Central this week. We were talking about this text and the story, and he was helping me get some ideas for this. It's a sad story in 2 Samuel 13, and there's a couple characters. Amnon is a, a young man, Tamar is a young lady, and Jonadab is a friend, but not really a good friend. He's a horrible friend. All right, and I'm going to go through this verse by verse with the time that we have here. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. It says, now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. Now, if you read that quick, you'll miss it. But you'll realize that Amnon and Absalom are brothers. Absalom has a sister from one of David's wives, not Amnon's. 
And Amnon thinks she's beautiful, and he says that he loves her. I'm going to tell you this. He didn't love her. It was lust. He may have been attracted to her, but it was not love. It was a lust that was going on. So as you read it, you're like, it may sound romantic, but then you take a quick look at it again. You're like, wait a minute. We have two brothers. We have a stepsister, if you will, or a half-sister, and the one brother is attracted to his half-sister. In verse 2, it says, And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. It's a powerful statement there. It's an intoxication that is happening. It's an intoxication of lust. And once lust gets a hold of somebody, it's hard to shake it. They are thinking about it over and over and over again. The Bible says that this lust clothed him. He clothed himself in it. It's almost like he's thinking about it and thinking about it. And it made him ill because of the lust that he wanted to go and partake of with his stepsister. Now, in today's day and age, you hear about Harvey Weinstein. And he talked about that the people that know him and would share some of the accounts, they said when he had his eyes fixed on someone for lust, he became consumed with them. He became sick with them. It was as, they said, as if he was clothed with a desire to do this. So it shows you the intensity of what's going on. It shows that it hasn't changed from way before the internet was invented till now that it's the same thing. Lust is doing the same thing. And you can, that's why it says flee from lust. Run from it. Get away from it. Stay away from it. Because it gets on you. It clothes you. It consumes you. And it gets him to the point that Amnon is tormented. He's sick. He's clothed to this. And he's just thinking about it all the time. In verses 3 through 5, it says this. Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight that I might see it and eat from her hand. Now, I will tell you this, this story gets very real here, and Jonadab represents the demonic, it represents the friend or the scheming that allows you to plan for sin. Jonadab was really not a good friend. A good friend would have said, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? She's your stepsister. What are you thinking? Don't do that. As your friend, I'm going to say no. And I think sometimes we have this lie, like, I want to be a good friend. I don't want to shut them down. I don't want to say no. I mean, I don't want to be the snitch. I don't want to... That's a lie from the enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They will tell you the truth. But Jonadab was an evil, scheming person. And I'll tell you that the enemy will place a Jonadab in your life when it comes to the area of lust. It may be a person, it may be a thought, it may be a technological uh, backdoor that you can get around, but that whole thing is the spirit of Jonadab that is helping you to set up to do future sin, that is scheming. It comes to the businessman that says, hey, you're going to be gone, you're going to be in Houston, you can go to the massage parlor, you can go to the club, no one will ever know. It comes to the teenager that says, hey, your parents aren't technologically savvy. You can erase your history. You can do this. You can do the search in other languages. You can do that. And you can backdoor around the software that mom and dad have put on there. And that's the spirit of Jonadab. 
And you got to recognize that, that that is just leading to destruction. God help us. You don't need friends that will help lead you into evil. And Jonadab's there and he's like, I got it. I got it. I'm going to help you fulfill your future lust. And I would say this right now, if you're like, I've got a Jonadab in my life. I've got a Jonadab. I'm going to tell you right now, the smartest thing you could do is break off the friendship with Jonadab. I can tell you right now, if you're like a teenager, it's not a friend, it's a technology. Well, then go to your parents and tell them, hey, I figured it out how to get around the firewall that you put up. Tell them, be honest. You don't want to go down that road. Tell them what's going on. Uh, if you're a kid and you have a phone, uh, parents, I would just say, keep that phone in the kitchen. Make sure you have the password to your phone, to your kids' uh, phones. And you say, well, that's snooping. That's parenting, all right? You know, you're like, I'm not letting them Jonah dab around me, all right, and do that. Tech will lie to you, the false friend. You may have to break off that friendship. So then the interesting thing, Amnon had to pretend to be somebody else in order to fulfill the lust. And here's the thing. The devil wants you to pretend to be someone else to fulfill lust. Devil wants you to pretend, and all of a sudden, you know, you're living a double life. You're trying to, you're pretending. You're playing one game here, one game there, one game here, and you're living a double life, and that's just going to lead to destruction. It's this whole world of a double life, and I can't think about, you know, in our society, again, today. Tiger Woods didn't have a Jonadab. He had a team of Jonadabs. The, the story about Tiger was that he had a whole crew of people that were running a whole separate world for him so he could lie to his wife to fulfill the lust. He didn't have Jonadab. He had Jonadab and his disciples. He had a whole crew of them. I'm telling you what, this is, see, it was in the Bible. It's here today. It's here today. It's happening all around us. This is how the enemy attacks us. In verse 6, it says, So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And so he's lying to his dad, and you'll lie to authority, and you'll lie to people all around you. It says, Then Amnon, in verse uh, 10, said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, no, my brother, do not violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where can I carry my shame? As for you, you would be as one of our outrageous fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king. For he will not withhold me from you. Don't do this. Don't, don't go through this. Don't go through with this. Don't take advantage of me. Don't cross the line right now. Don't do this. And it's interesting, even in the ugliness of this whole thing, isn't it interesting? There's somebody saying there's a way of escape. And I want to tell you this. The, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and 14, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. It's been happening for years and years and years and years. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You're like, I can't face it. I can't. Yet, you can get through it. God will provide a way out. And it's amazing in the midst of this. Tamar's like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And God's always got somebody saying, don't do this. The Holy Spirit's screaming, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And if I could pause for just a moment here and focus on the ladies in the situation here, if you have been taken advantage of, if you have been a victim, if you say me too, wherever you're at, I, I want you to understand, don't live in that condemnation. Find healing, find freedom. 
Find freedom of this. Find, you know, he doesn't, well, I'm a bad person. I'm telling you what, people have taken advantage, used their powerful positions, used money, used authority. That is wrong for them to do that. And we ask you to find freedom, to find wholeness, and to see your value of who you are in Jesus Christ. This young lady was offering a way of escape, and he didn't take it. He wouldn't listen, and we do the same thing. We have the Bible. We have different teaching. We have people warning us, and we won't listen to it. We reject God's word. We reject common sense, and it says because, but he would not listen to her, and being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. And I want to let you know this is a criminal act. We have no leniency for criminal acts. We know that God can forgive this, but you need to be facing the punishment for this. Again, we stand with these victims and say, this is wrong. Society is pushing, say, this is a long road. Yeah, we have moved from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, and we're living this out in society when we see people that were celebrities and stars and good people, and we're like, what a train wreck of a life. But this is a criminal act. And I will say this, that 99% of our lustful things will not result in a criminal act, but the same deception just traps us into an ungodly lifestyle, and it traps us there. And you don't have to be trapped. You don't have to stay there. God can set you free and get you out of this. And this story is about to turn like in a flash. In verse 15, it says, Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, so that the hatred of which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go, get out of here. Isn't that amazing? Immediately after lust has happened, immediately after this has happened, he starts to hate himself. He hates her. He hates the world. We wonder why there's so much anger going on in this world. We've got a bunch of people trapped in this world of lust. We have people walking around with pornography stores on their phone, and they're hating themselves. They're mad at people. They're mad at their spouse. They're mad at their friends. They're mad. Get up. Get out. Get out of here. And we're living with this anger, and God's saying, I want to help you. I want to help you. The way of love is so much greater. A a biblical love bonds someone together. There's a forever component that just is there. And lust demands isolation and it's self-hatred and it's hatred of all this. It's almost like there's a backdraft of, of like a fire. You know, there's a backdraft and all of a sudden what was moving forward, all of a sudden when the lust is fulfilled, in comes death, just like James 1 says. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. This is not God's plan for his people. God wants us to live pure and holy lives. He wants us to have holiness. He wants us to have honor towards one another. He has clear boundaries that we should not do these things. We should not violate people. We should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Galatians 5.16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Next week, and in our bonus lessons, we're going to talk about how do we escape this? How do we get away from this? How do we avoid this? How do we not fall prey to this? How do we stay? But right now, I'm just trying to convince you that God's saying, pursue love, run away from lust. Lust is the problem today, and there's this evil desire that is causing us to disregard the things of God, and God's like, will you walk after the Spirit? Will you come after the things of God? Will you come after me more? I mean, some people today need to eliminate a Jonadab in your life. You know who they are. You need to say it's over. 
Some need to join a purity life group and say, hey, will you help me? I need to join a purity life group. Some need to find healing and counseling and freedom from this. And we all need to go after love in a world that is on a slide after lust. This is our opportunity, church. This is an opportunity for for us to stand in holiness, for us to stand in purity. For us, I was reading something the other day and it was saying Islam offers an answer to the Me Too. And, and it's talking about how they want people to live holy. And I'm thinking, man, before that ever was a thought, Christianity was out there saying there's a way for you to live holy in this crazy world. We've got the answer. And I'm asking our church to pursue love and to go after the things of God and to say, God, we will fulfill the things of the Spirit. We will go after you and we will not run after the lust of this world. Love is greater than lust. Love is greater than lust. And God wants to help us to pursue that love and to live holy life. So God, I just pray right now that you'd help us to do that. Lord, there's so much here, but I pray that you've taken a little bit here, a little bit there, and you've used it to help people to move forward. Love is greater than lust. In a world that is chasing after these things so strong, God, I pray we chase after you. We'd fulfill the things of the Spirit, and we'd live for you, God. Help us in this realm to have holiness and honor, Lord. Help us to be able to move forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. amen.